Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power, brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the second episode of For Future Reference. I'm Tori Taylor. And I'm Ambar Carvillo-Rivera. And this podcast is all about creating space to have real candid conversations about the role that people play in our lives, especially the ones who lift us up in both professional and personal ways and how they make support structures in our lives. It's advice, it's food for thought that you can use for now or just keep around for future reference. And today, right now on this show, we're going to solve the age old problem of how to find the absolute perfect mentor mm. for you. <laughs> JK. That happened on the last episode of the season, maybe. <laughs> so stay tuned. <laughs> so stay tuned. <laughs> Please listen every week, subscribe. No, but we did want to talk about some of the hard parts of finding a mentor, which is finding someone that fits who you need at that moment in your life, right? We, in episode one, talked about how, you know, it's hard enough to find mentors, but then you can look all around you. There's like, you know, your aunts, there's friends, there's bosses. Totally. And there are all these preconceived notions about about mentorship. Like you said, like who that person is, what relationship they should have with you. If it's, if it needs to be a formal mentorship where you sign up in a, in a program and you're assigned a mentor and you're called a mentee. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's someone that's older than you that has to be in the same field. You know, I think when I, whenever I started my career, thinking about a mentor to me, like fit a very specific mold. I was like, okay, I've got to find a really badass woman who's in politics, who's older than me, that has been successful at everything she's ever tried. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that I was going to find this perfect mentor who had done everything right. She was going to teach me every single thing that she had ever learned, and I was just going to copy that (laughs) and Mm -hmm. become super successful. Mm -hmm. And 10 years later, I realized how that's really not reality. I actually think I've learned the most from mentors who've actually failed a couple times. My realization on this and sort of to go along with what you're talking about was when I was in college. And I also thought that I had to find someone that had already like graduated, gotten their shit together, you know, (laughs) um, was in an amazing career path, even though I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And then I realized that there was a lot of people around me already helping me in even just how to like be in college. And, you know, whether that was my sister who was helping me fill out my financial aid applications because I didn't have anyone else to show me, I realized that in that moment, that's what I needed, right? I needed someone that could show me the ropes at least even just to survive college. And that was a realization for me of like, like you said, it doesn't always have to be this executive that's already super accomplished. Um, Maybe in time, you know, we're lucky and we can have that. But in that moment, I had exactly what I needed and the people that were around me helping me. And I think if I had had the language then to see some of these people and call them and identify them as a mentor, I probably would have gotten so much more out of it in a way, you know? 
You know, I think, I think what you described is, is just letting yourself meet others where you're at. You know, yeah. there, there's something I think really powerful about understanding kind of where you're at in life and figuring out, you know, what are, what are the support structures that you need right now mm-hmm. and where you can find them and how to utilize them. And also realizing that what you need right now might be different than what you need from a year from now. You know, what I needed a year ago is pretty different than what I need now. And how do we not only identify mentors now with, uh, to fit our needs and kind of where we're at in our lives right now, but you know, how do we also continue evolving those relationships and also continuing to check in with ourselves and others who are part of that support structure with what we might need later in life? Because we're always growing, we're always changing, mm-hmm. and those needs should change along with us. Yes. Like, I think especially our, you know, millennials, young people today, we don't just stay in one career the whole time. You know, we take different opportunities, you know, for we fail down, we fail up, we fail down, <laughs> we're in different courses. So, and I think, you know, there's, there's so many resources out there on how to identify a mentor, how to utilize them, you know, where to get them. And I think that's one of the reasons we started this conversation and this mm-hmm. podcast is because there are all these resources There's a million different tips and tricks you can try, best practices, but everyone's also different. You know, what we're hoping to to do in the conversation today, and I think throughout the season, is provide the list of options. You know, what are the resources out there? What are best practices that are tried and true with a lot of really great women leaders that we're talking to in this season? And, you know, hopefully our listeners can pick up a few. The people that we're going to talk to today have sort of two approaches Yeah, totally. So we're going to talk to two folks, you know, they'll share about their careers and, you know, how mentors have impacted their lives and, you know, where they were able to find mentors and kind of what worked for them. One of those guests is going to be an awesome uh, woman named Shaniqua McClendon, who is the political brains behind one of the hottest media companies out there, Crooked Media, who you may know from uh, podcasts like Pod Save America and Hysteria. Um, And she's had an incredible career and journey. And so I'm really excited to dig in with her specifically on, you know, what finding a mentor has looked like for her and, you know, the best practices and, you know, golden nuggets that she has to share with all of you today. So why don't we start? Just give us your name and what you do and what your life is about. Uh, my name is Shaniqua McClendon. Um, I work at Crooked Media, which is hard to believe, still a relatively new political media company based in Los Angeles, and I'm the political director there. I think if I had to describe kind of my career path when I embarked on this, I just knew I wanted to help people. How you help people has changed over the course, or how I believe I can help people has changed over the course of my career. Uh, But it's always been tied to uh, democracy and people voting. Uh, So I think that's how I would describe kind of what I do. Great. That's awesome. Um, That's a a really noble life purpose, too. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's fun, too, so... I'm uh, I'm glad I'm glad we have people like you out there. Uh and 
You know, one of the reasons that we wanted to talk with you today is that you've had such an interesting career path. You have worked in politics for a while. You worked on Capitol Hill. You got a graduate degree from the Harvard Kennedy School. You took a really cool job at this new political media company, kind of creating all these cool podcasts and have had a really interesting and exciting career trajectory and, you know, want to know how mentorship played a role in your life, like through when you were getting started in your career and, you know, as your career has evolved from, you know, your first few days as, you know, a a junior level staffer on Capitol Hill to, you know, being a senior leader in this, this big, um, exciting media company. Yeah. So, you know, I think my mentor or the mentors that I've encountered has helped in, I mean, in a lot of ways, but in a few specific ways. One is just giving me confidence. When I started out on the Hill, I got interested in politics when Barack Obama was running for president. I think a lot of people probably did. If there is anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible, who still questions the power of our democracy, tonight is your answer. And so it's kind of interesting now for that to um, be a central part of my life. So when I got to um, D.C., I went there to go intern at the White House. And that was kind of my first foray into politics. I had to answer the phones and talk to people who knew a lot more about why they were mad than I knew about the policies. And so I just say that to say that I had no idea what was going on on Capitol Hill but as I went through my career, one of the first people I encountered in D.C. was, um, she's a retired judge, she has a nonprofit, and she was volunteering at the White House and said, hey, can you come talk to the young women that I, um, that I have in my organization? And then she said, I want you to plan our first, um, one of the, a fundraiser they were having. And she was like, I'm going to make you the co-chair of this planning committee. And I, I think I was maybe 22 at the time, and I was just like, how am I supposed to plan a fundraiser? Um, but, you know, throughout the entire thing, like I organized the meetings and everything, but throughout that entire time, she was like giving me what I needed to be successful. The only thing I had done for her was talk to this group, these group of high school students. Um, but through that process, I gained a lot of confidence in my ability to do things, you know, to be a 22 year old having meetings with people in their 40s and 50s to put this event together. I don't think I would have been able to step into these different places. If she thinks I can do it, then I must be capable of doing this. And again, people, you should have confidence in yourself, but having people there who can tell you, you are more than capable of doing this. You know, that's incredible. I, you know, it seems like throughout your career, especially starting out, there were so many people that, you know, really took it upon themselves to empower you and to kind of lift you up as, you know, they were moving throughout their lives too, whether it was, you know, the the former judge planning a fundraiser and pulling you into that like leadership position. You know, that's an incredible way to to find mentorship and to find support. And, you know, it also says something about you that you were also prepared to receive that empowerment and to receive that information and kind of that support. And, you know, do you think, uh, what are the things that you think that you were thinking when those folks kind of empowered you and kind of took it upon themselves to reach out and take you under their wing, you know, what do you think set you up in the best way to receive that and to kind of go with it? When I was on the cheerleading squad, I would ask a hundred questions. 
to the point, they, like, one of my coaches, or one of our um, captains, they started calling me Questionequa, because I just always had questions, you know, about the choreography, about, like, what, what is the exact number we're hitting this move on, um, but for me, asking those questions is how I could get to a point of just getting it right, and then I didn't have any more questions, and so when I got into my career, I did the same thing. I wanted to know, like, what are the, what are your expectations of me? What am I supposed to be doing? Um, so I can make sure that I do this right. And in the moments that I was networking and connecting with people, I was always, again, asking a lot of questions and being very inquisitive. And so I think when people in more senior positions or further along in their career would see that, they became interested in, in helping me. I, I really think that they saw someone who was committed to doing the work and just needed the tools, and they knew they had those tools and were willing to, to share those with me. Um, so I love challenges. Like there, again, there are lots of times where I question if I'm qualified to do something capable of doing stuff, but if someone says you can do this, even if in my head, I don't think I can, I will never say I can't, I'll just, you know, figure it out and I'll ask the questions I need to do to be successful. And sometimes you're not successful, um, but you still learn things along the way. But I think being open to failing, but also having the like drive and determination to do as good as I can, um, help me be in a place to receive that. How have you developed confidence and, you know, kind of grown in that way and, and have these mentors and these leaders who've invested in you, you know, what type of role have they played in your ability to kind of grow your confidence along the way or to, you know, help bridge the gap whenever you didn't feel confident or just couldn't get there all the way yourself and were able to lean on them or lean on others um, to kind of get you over over that hump? Yeah, you know, I think my mentors have been so critical in that space because, well, one, they took the time to get to know who I was. And once you get to know me, you know that like small things will make me very anxious and I will turn them into to huge deals. Um, and so I think the folks that have really gotten to know me know when to intervene before we even get to that point. So it's, I remember one of my bosses in Senator Hagan's office, I had, it wasn't a huge mess up, um, but me being me, I was just like, this is going to be why we lose the election. Um, and so he called me into his office and he said, before you freak out, I'm going to give you some feedback. It's not the end of the world. And him saying that before he said, you know, this is how this should have been handled. And this is how you need to think about things in the future so we can get this information to the senator in a more timely fashion. Like that alone, it disarmed my like anxiety and my feeling like I was going to be fired or this was going to be the reason um, that we lost the election. Uh, my mentors have been really good about like calming me down and then helping me revisit the times that I've been in these you know, spaces before and that they have worked out and that I have shown up and, and done what I needed to do to be successful. Because sometimes that is just, I don't know, my brain just doesn't naturally work that way where it's like, well, you didn't get here by, you know, partaking in the stress um, and anxiety. Um, but they have been able to point out like instances where they were part of those um, successes and saying, Shaniqua, remember when you did this and you approached it this way and look how it turned out. Let's just do that all over again with this. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, as you, I'm sure you talk to a lot of young people in your current role and, you know, now serve as a mentor to others. 
you know, as folks are listening to this conversation and thinking to themselves, you know, where are they going to find their mentor and like, where are they going to find some of the support that you laid out? You know, what would be your advice to folks who might be having a difficult time identifying those right sources? Yeah, don't give up. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but don't give up. And, you know, none of my mentors have come out of very um, formal formal routes. Um, I assume there are formal routes to get uh, mentors, but most of mine have come out of me. I mean, working in politics, you have to network a lot. And a lot of them have come out of networking and then me seeing someone who I think could offer some useful insights and just asking for a coffee, just asking for 30 minutes that we can sit down and talk. Um, the more that you um, are just kind of on their radar and seeking their advice, eventually it just forms into that kind of relationship. That's at least the way it's worked out for me. Most mentors don't want you to like get them a job or some kind of connection, but I do think something they want is for you to value their time. And so it depends on where you are in your career. When I was very early out, you know, a lot of my questions were around, well, how do I get a promotion and how do I get to my next job, which are valuable questions to ask, but make sure that when you're coming to your mentor for advice that the next time you see them, you're not asking them the same questions because they've already answered those. And then it looks as if you don't value their time. Also, if you're able to have multiple mentors kind of at different levels, that is great too. Um, I think something people often overlook are peer mentors, people who are at the same point in your career. My, like, my peers have been just wonderful because sometimes people move up in their careers and they forget about the types of things they dealt with at that time. And so it's helpful to talk to people who are going through those experiences um, at the same time as you. You know, we're having this conversation in the vein of, you know, how did, how did you find your mentor? What, uh, what does that look like for you? And I think so often people think about mentors as that older person that's kind of further along in their career that can provide that life-changing advice along the way. But, you know, peer mentors are so incredibly helpful for all the reasons that you just said. And um, I think that's just such an important part of this conversation. I don't know about you, but feeling and looking good in what I'm wearing can give me the extra boost of confidence that I need, whether I'm heading to an important meeting or just need to crush a presentation, which is why I love my Beta brand pants. They have an incredible and robust selection designed to fit your lifestyle so you don't compromise comfort while just getting things done. They have a range of comfy and thoughtfully designed pants with style from different shapes and sizes and fun limited edition colors released monthly, it was really hard to decide on what to choose. I went with classic skinny black slacks with extra pockets and I really couldn't love them more. Millions of women agree, they're the most comfortable pants you're ever gonna wear to work. I think this is Beta Brand's way of giving us joy in a world where we have to endure painful cramps through painful conference calls. They just want us comfy and looking good. Now you can visit betabrand.com slash FFR. That's betabrand.com slash FFR, all lowercase, to get 20% off yours.
Our second guest is Maya Pace. She's the Chief Community Officer for Lead for America. And so I want you to tell us just a little bit about the organization before we jump into specifically what led you all to have a structured mentoring program there. And, you know, if you could tell us a little bit about the process that that's been, you know, designing that and keeping in mind the, the participants that you all have. Yeah, a bit about Lead for America. So we are a nonpartisan nonprofit, and we're really working to ensure that our nation's most diverse and dynamic talent is is tackling their own community's toughest challenges. And we think we have a few kind of key beliefs, but one of them is that our public institutions can kind of be a, a pretty key role, creating some some really necessary change. And I think something that I that I want to be really clear about is that it's not simply a matter about of, of, you know, matching talent with problems, right? So our primary intervention right now, um, and we're kind of building out other programs as well, but our primary program is our hometown fellows program where we send, you know, young, um, amazing, they're, they're truly amazing, recent graduates back to their hometowns to serve in public institutions, range of local governments, um, tribal governments, and community institutions on project scopes that are co-created between the fellows and their hosting institutions um, to address critical community needs. So we're just sending out our first cohort of around 55 fellows around the country who are working in in their hometowns on these on these projects. And we prioritize economically distressed areas, so urban, rural, and tribal communities that have often, you know, had the narrative of success that, you know, if you make it out, that's what that's what success looks mm-hmm. like. It means leaving and not coming back. Um, and we really want to kind of shift the narrative of success because we think that in order to strengthen our country, in order to, you know, make sure that we have the talent and um, the energy and the groundedness to tackle the challenges that we need to be confronting, we we really need every community to have access to the transformational leadership it deserves. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Well, one of the things that I'm, I, I want you to dig in a little bit into mm-hmm. is um, you chose to have, in a way, two different types of mentoring programs yeah. or, or you facilitated two different ways. Yeah, yeah. So we're thinking about it in two different ways. One is a mentor, kind of broadly speaking. So anyone who a fellow um, is really compelled by and wants to build a relationship with. The other is a community advisor. So making sure that our fellows are also rooted you know, with someone in their community who has done work that they really admire as well. So there's kind of a, a two-part um, aspect to this one-on-one mentorship. And one of the reasons that we decided to do a more kind of quote-unquote official matching process is because I think that there's a lot of value in establishing, you know, some sort of definition to this relationship. And and in that kind of container, if you will, fellows and mentors can then have a really kind of ongoing, meaningful relationship um, that is actively supported by Lead for America. Um, And so the way that that process works is that our fellows are actually in the process right now of submitting their um, requests for mentors. So um, we phrase this really as who are the people that you admire in, in the work that they're doing for their communities we'll try to, we'll try our very best to match them with you. That's awesome. And tell us a little bit more about, you know, as you're, you're creating these matches for the mentees and the mentorship, what do you think defines a good match between a mentee and a mentor? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, One um, commitment from both, both parties to be invested in this relationship and really try to kind of be in the in the resilient listening and working together um, to create a, a meaningful 
relationship that is based on on care and trust and also uh, you know mutual sharing. It's most important for the fellow to feel that this person who they are you know going to be working with or, or spending time with that this person is somehow reflective of the type of person they want to be in the world. It might not be the exact same life path. It might not be the exact same, you know, manifestation, but I think that being able to see reflected in another person, the type of change maker, the type of having a mentor that is somehow reflective of how you want to be doing that is really important. I love that. Yeah. That's so thoughtful too. And really grounding and whether you are, you know, for folks that get to be a part of a program like this or not, I think that's just good advice in general on how to see this, you know, experience. And I'm curious if, do you all give folks tips or advice on how to essentially think about how they can approach the mentors? Like, is there anything in that process, like almost like the advice that you share, do you all share that with um, the folks in the program, and, and is there anything additional as they begin their their sort of uh, mentee-mentor relationships? Yeah, yeah, that's a great a great question as well because it can be vulnerable, right? <laughs> like asking to be in relationship with someone um, who you may not have much connection with prior, and uh, so I and and the LFA team will then be you know using fellows' words, because they're also kind of writing, you know, a little bit about why it would be so meaningful for them to have this person as a mentor, as an advisor. I will be kind of sharing those words with this person and then working with that person to discuss a little bit more about what the mentorship relationship will look like. Um, but again, in the in the spirit of having this be really co-created and, and led by our fellows, um, we want them to be able to also define what that relationship will look like. And I think to your point, you know, we really want to be supporting our fellows. It, it, yes, to your question, um, we we have and we will continue to have conversations with our fellows about what, how to kind of navigate this mentorship relationship, how to ask for advice, how to lean in the vulnerability and I would use the word rawness really of coming from a place of curiosity and, and saying, I actually am not sure what to do about this. Can you help me? You know, we're, we're talking about this kind of finding a mentor and the matching and the, this process all in the context of, you know, your formalized program. But so many of the folks that are with us in this podcast and kind of listening to this conversation may not have access to a formal program or may not just be part of one. And you know, what are some takeaways that you could provide folks that are in this conversation with us that might not be part of a formal structure like you all have, but some good takeaways that they can have from your process and the way that you all have structured your program in terms of, you know, them finding a mentor and kind of finding that relationship on their own? On a personal level, like something that I work with is, is, you know, asking for help. I think that that can be a, a pretty challenging thing for me to do. And um, perhaps in general to do, but I, I guess like in this in this context, I deeply believe that having mentors that you can turn to, having folks who you aspire to be more like can be so nourishing and also can really call you forth into who you more fully want to be in the world. Um, and I think this can look like so many different, it can manifest in so many different ways, you know, I, I think sometimes as mentors, as scholars or or community uh, 
activists or whatever the case might be who I may never have met, but I, you know, spend time learning about them and kind of learning about the ways that they move through the world, the choices that they've made and how they think about their series of change, if you will. So I I really think that there's so many different ways that you can access this concept of mentorship and really access the um, knowledge and support and connection that you might be needing or, or craving. And it doesn't have to be, you know, facilitated by an organization. If you reach out to someone, perhaps they, perhaps they won't respond or perhaps they won't have capacity or whatever the case might be. But there's also a very real likelihood that they will be totally willing to share their knowledge or, or share a little bit of themselves with you. But I do think that, you know, having mentors who are good matches in some way, even if they're not, you know, in perfect alignment with how you want to move through the world is really important. All right, those were some great conversations we just had. What are what are you taking away with you today? I am one walking away with a lot of joy that we had time and space to have these interviews with these incredible people. I think the first thing I'm taking away with me is this quote from Shaniqua where she said, you know, she was referencing one of her mentors earlier on in the in the in the in the interview and she said if she thinks I can do this then I must be capable of doing it and confidence is often treated as a soft skill it's not treated as something Mm -hmm. that is a hard skill that Mm -hmm. actually impacts our ability to do the rest of our work and how we move about the world and so being mentored through building confidence I think is really special and something I'm taking away with me Mm -hmm. Um, and then the second thing I would say is that Finding the right mentor for where you are right now also has a lot to do with what you're ready to receive. And like Maya noted, the type of commitment you're ready to make. And so I think making sure that we're asking ourselves those questions, what am I ready to receive and what commitment am I actually ready to make right now will help inform and shape the type of mentorship that you can have in this moment in your life. Yeah, one thing that really struck me that Shaniqua mentioned was someone had asked her to step up and take a leadership role in an activity that she didn't think she was necessarily equipped for. And like you said, that that person had confidence and faith in her and that led to a, a mentorship relationship. And I thought that was such a such an interesting way to to think about it and to to structure the beginning of that relationship. Uh, I also really appreciated the note that she made about how, you know, folks used to call her questioniqua. <laughs> um, and I, I think that's a really important thing to, to note because I feel like often we can be scared to ask questions mm-hmm. and, you know, there can be confidence issues or insecurity issues. We never want to sound dumb. And so, you know, sometimes that can be a barrier to us asking the questions that we might have. But it's so important to ask questions. You know, it's so important to have clarity. It's so important to have a feedback loop. And I just really appreciated her lifting that piece up like through her own story um, because I think it is something that is a barrier to a lot of young women as we start our careers. Like I know so many times where I had a ton of questions or just did not have clarity on something but I was too scared to ask. Uh, But things would have been so much better if I would have just asked all those questions on the front end and just moved through that experience with full clarity. So I really appreciated that about uh, her story in particular. Also love that name. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it. Put it in your bio. (laughs) 
And I'm so excited about next week because we are going to tackle another kind of uncomfortable, for some people, topic. Part of growing your support system is networking. And I know that word can land in different ways with different people. Um, so we're excited to hear from some really great badass women next week on you know, how they have built really powerful, authentic networks that are just full of fruitful, productive, and you know, really valuable relationships, no matter what situation they're in. We hope that this helps for now or for future efforts. Talk, Talk to you next, next week. week. For Future Reference is a Wonder Media Network show produced by Cynthia Pimentel. 